Right, ladies, gentlemen, germs, and everything in between, welcome back to 80s High, the podcast that revisits the coolest stuff from the greatest decade of all time. The books, the movies, the music, the video games, the toys, and more. We are your hosts, Ben. And Chris. And this is 80s High. Welcome back to the mic, man. How's it going? Hello. It's going well. How about you? I'm good. I'm great. Can't complain. Uh, and it feels like it's been forever, but it's been our normal schedule. But it's good to be back. It's good to be doing it. You know what? Now that we're at like kind of this two-week cadence, you're right. It feels like every time we come back, it's like, wow, it has been a while. When you have that weekly cadence, it's, it feels a little more familiar. So it's always, you know what I would call it? A treat to see it you is. Then. That's true. Because uh, it keeps it fresh. You know, if you're doing it every day, every week, it's a grind. You lose you lose the joy, the authentic we're joy. We're like an old married couple. We're like, what are you doing? No, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the 80s. Yeah, exactly. No, nobody wants that. This is the right amount of Ben and Chris that you guys just uh, the right flavor. come to know and love. So before we get into our topic, anything exciting, 80s style happening? I did discover something and I am Ooh. considering participating. I'm very excited about this. Oh, do tell. Um, years ago, I attended part of PAX, the Pacific Northwest video game conference that happens a little bit. I went to Indie Night and played some indie video games on a big, what they call the Sky Church IMAX screen at the Museum of Pop Culture. It's amazing. Mopop. But I found something this week that ups the ante a little bit. Oh. It's been going on since 2006, the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Ooh, interesting. It's been closed for a couple of years, but it's coming back October 14th through 16th. Again, October, great birthday month this year. And it's a, at the Oregon Convention Center, and it's it's a lot of Atari games, all the old arcade games. There's crazy collector stuff like the weird PlayStation-Nintendo crossover thing they were working on. Uh, but lots of collector stuff, trading. It just sounds awesome. So if retro gaming is your thing, I would say pop this on your calendar for mid-October in Portland. That's very cool. Right? Are you going to lug the barcade down there and just, like, show it just off to show everybody? Off. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, I, they'd either be impressed by the collection or they'd be like, that's not true retro. Like, you need a real Atari 2600 here. Like, get out of here. You're right. That's a great point. This is everything that's kind of the generation after all of those yeah. first wave of, uh, I guess you could call them consoles. Right. Yeah, they're oh. consoles, right? Like, you know, I have the old Intellivision, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That thing's amazing. That would fit right in for sure. A retro pie might not be allowed. It might be too advanced of technology in that building. I don't know. I don't know. Fair enough. Uh, so that's sort of like my retro 80s thing for this week. Anything you got sliding around in your back pocket over there? Yeah, I have a little 80s encounter as well. Ooh, so Of the third kind? When I moonlight close... on my... <laughs> it's close to a close encounter. It's when I moonlight on my other podcast, Ding Dong Darkness oh, yeah. Time, with Allison Dixon. For one of our upcoming episodes, we're talking about Stephen King's The Mist, the novella, oh. The Mist. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I had never read it before, and it's really good. I'm a little over halfway through, maybe three quarters, yeah. and it's really, really good. Very creepy, great setting, great mood building. It's got that uh, Lovecraftian horror element to it. 
quite terrifying. Nice. I recommend it to anybody who's looking for something a little scary to read. Before we get into it, I do want to give a little shout out. You know, yeah. in all of our morning announcements on the social meds, we always say, hey, email us at 80shighpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think. Share us your memories. Some weeks it's crickets mm. and other weeks it's uh, spam to remind us about our car insurance. <laughs> <laughs> but we got an email uh, last week. Who who wrote us? What was going on? So Holly wrote us. Classmate Holly had written and said, yo, I'm paraphrasing, by the way. Yo, where <laughs> are the quizzes? We need the quizzes. My daughter and I are often listening when we're driving, and we love the quizzes. We love hearing people's feedback. And yes, we've been doing stuff on social media. We've done our Twitter and Instagram polls. But those Google quizzes that we send out to the Class of 80s High email members, we got called to the carpet. We, uh, and rightfully so, I would say. It's been a while since we've done one, right, Ben? Like maybe it's four been or five episodes, probably? It's been a little I think our last one was Jazzercise. I think it's been a little while. Oh, yeah. So basically this entire year... <laughs> <laughs> we, we haven't been doing them. Jazzercise took it all out of us. It was exhausting. Oh, yeah, we finally cut our breath. And we just want to say thanks, Holly, for keeping us on the straight and narrow. We listened to you. And for our Where's Waldo episode, you're going to hear some more of those in-depth yeah. feedback, memories, input from our class of 80s high from our quiz this week. So thanks, Holly. Appreciate it. Thanks, Holly. Thanks for being that kid in class who says, excuse me, teacher, I think it's been a while since we had a pop quiz. And everyone goes, oh, Holly. Holly, why'd you have to say that? Well, I'll say this much. If the kids were grumbling, we wouldn't know because people participated, which is always lovely. We really got the answer. That's true. Uh, it's but great. Speaking of that, I think it's time for us to tune in for our, our homeroom announcements and hear the inventory of Lost and Found because it might be today's topic in there. That's very true. Attention 80s high. This is Aaron here to share today's homeroom announcements. If you get lost in the crowd sometimes, maybe you should follow 80s High Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Today's lunch menu will be water salad with a side of tots. If you don't want to be one of those dweebs that wears a red and white sweater all the time, join the class of 80s High. It's a way for people to suggest show topics, send corrections on stuff we got wrong in episodes, and share other memories and opinions on the 80s, which we will read on the show. Email 80s High Podcast at gmail.com to join. That's 80s. Hi, podcast at gmail.com. After school today, the Oh My God Mogwai Drama Club will be hosting tryouts for their stage rendition of the Dead Poets Society. Thank you, and have a righteous day. Go Mogwais. All right. Well, it sounds like the search party is out in the mm. school. People are looking everywhere for our red and white striped friend. And the only way, you know, I love a good origin story to really find out where he might have gone is to understand why. And we got to go down the hallway to history class to make that happen. That's true. I'd like to call this segment What's Waldo? What is it? What's Waldo? <laughs> What's Waldo? Also, we need, the, we need the intercom speaker to be like, If Waldo could come to the principal's office, Waldo <gasps> to the principal's office. Because they've been looking for him forever. It's perfect. Yeah. All right. I'll see you down there. Okay. All right. I snuck or crept, sneaked, snuck. How do you like to say it? What's your past tense of sneak? Snorked, I believe is the you correct. snorked? That's the correct another, term. Another topic that might appear on 80s High, the snorks. Uh, at some point, oh. I'm going to bust it out. Uh, I snorked my way down to the history room. You know, I thought I saw him walking down the hallway. It was just someone else in a red and white striped shirt. I was like, no, oh, Stacy. I thought you were Waldo. Stacy had 11 of the 12 items on her. And you're like, oh, I'm so close. It was almost, it was almost Waldo. 
we're going to talk about this. He packed lightly at the beginning. And then all of a sudden that dude was just like, do you remember oh. in Mary Poppins when Bert has like all the instruments attached yeah, to him? I, that's what I thought of too. It's kind of like that. It's where's, it's where's <laughs> on the next episode the of Hoarders. <laughs> yeah. Where, where do you go for a bit on his storage closet? It's nuts. Um, oh man. Ben, what's Waldo? <laughs> what's, what's Waldo? What? <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm not shocked enough. I need it. Uh, in short, Waldo was a delightful collection of children's books in which a character, Waldo, in a red and white long-sleeved shirt and a little toque for you Canadians or just a winter hat for you everyone else, Ooh, yes. uh, would be lost somewhere in the world in a huge, dense, beautiful, hand-drawn picture crowded with people and animals and objects all thematic from beaches to space stations to shopping malls. And the goal was simply to find the character Waldo amongst the chaos and busyness of each spread. And by the way, every time I hear Toque, all I hear in my head is Gandalf yelling, fool of a Toque, when he's yelling <laughs> at one of the... <laughs> I can't remember if it's Merry or Pippin. One of them is a Toque. That's all like, I ever remember. I never knew it was an insult. That's great. Fool I'm going to start calling toque. people fool of a Toque. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, so where did Waldo come from? Well, mm. while this evolved in parallel in many cultures around the world, uh, the game of hide and seek was first described by an Athenian <laughs> scholar, oh Julius Pollux, in the second century this BCE. Guy. Now, now he did not call it hide and seek because that's, that's English, right? That's not mm. Greek. Uh, so he called it Apodraskinda. But today it's called Crypto in Greece. There it is. So now the real history. Sorry, I just wanted a little entertainment there. Uh, so like I said, Where's Waldo is a book. So books find their origin in ancient Egypt dating back to 2400 BC when papyrus <laughs> was made from reeds. Uh, this is sort of the first paper writing this. Oh, <laughs> this guy. Uh, okay. I promise this is that third time's a charm. This is the real start. This is the Wimmel Bilderbuch. So we're learning Wimmel German Bilderbuch. today. Yes, Wimmel Bilderbuch. Wimmel Bilderbuch is German, which means teaming picture book. Teaming. Yeah. Like, not like a, we're not talking sports. I know it's 80s high. We're not like the team. It's teaming, overwhelming, overflowing. Filled to um, the rim. A hidden picture book, large format, and you have these full spread drawings, kind of like you see with Waldo, but they are jam-packed with stories and characters and animals and things happening, usually like in a village or a town square, maybe in a forest. They're usually made for children, but not always. Had you heard about these Wilmer Bilderbuchs before? Wow, that was a lot of <laughs> overwrought German right there. You're like, Bilderbuchs? I had not until I was researching this topic and I came across, you know, as you often do when you start with a little Wikipedia, you, you get the bare bones from it. And it always has C related. And I was like, oh, interesting. I clicked on that. Yeah. And then I clicked on something else from the visual arts called Horror Vacui. Are you familiar with this? No. What is horror? This sounds right up your alley. Horror so, Vacui. I mean, this is, this is amazing. It's Latin for fear of empty space. Oh, God. Also referred, go, to go back to Greek, as kinophobia, which is the fear of the empty. And it's this idea that you're filling the entirety of a space of an artwork with detail. And apparently in physics, horror vacui reflects Aristotle's idea that nature abhors an empty space. Oh. So that's kind of a very interesting little side tangent. But I don't know, maybe there's a, a thread here that appeals to why we find this kind of stuff so engrossing. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah. I, I thought you say horror vacui is like that friend when you're sitting watching a sunset and trying to enjoy nature, they won't shut up. Like, the, you know, someone who just can't sit with quietly oh, they and can't enjoy sit peace in together. They just yeah. have to need horror vacui. I thought that's what I thought that's where you're going. Maybe it's the same thing. I don't know. 
Perhaps, yeah. You got to fill the uh, airspace rather than the visual space. Right. I mean, I get it in radio and podcast. People lose jobs over dead air on the radio. I get it. But, you know, let's mm-hmm. let's enjoy the sunset bit. But back to Wilmer Bilderbuch. How would you say it smoothly? I don't want to be, we don't have to lampoon it the whole time. What's the smooth? How would you do it? Uh, Wilmer Bilderbuch. Wilmer Bilderbuch. Yeah, nice. you're, you're overdoing a lot of it. It's okay. It's, <laughs> you know, I, if we have German listeners, I don't want to throw them off with your characterization. <laughs> Maybe we'll get more emails. So the three people who sort of originated this in Germany, you get Hieronymus Bosch in 1450. And there's actually a really interesting history. You can go find this group, Solar Sands, did a YouTube video, the whole history of Wilmer Bilderbuchs, and it's really neat. Hmm. But he sort of started this thing, like I said, some are for kids and some are not. This is not. He was really uh, kind of obsessed with the idea of sin. And so all of his art is like before sin, like, look how great life is. Um, And look at all these happy scenes. And then during sin of like, look at this crazy stuff people do to get in trouble. And then post sin was very Hmm. important for him, like all the different punishments for sin. About 75 years later, uh, someone who really idolized Bosch, you have Peter Bruegel the Elder, did the same thing, and then much more modern Hans Jürgen Press in 1926. These are sort of the three people who started this whole movement. Even more modern, are you familiar, of course, with Richard Scarry? Mm, name's not familiar. Richard Scarry kind of did this sort of like busy artwork in towns and things like that, animals going around in a, in a busy thing. And so Richard also did these sort of crowded spaces. But hmm. let's get to the origin of Where's Waldo? And that starts with a gentleman... Pinky raised, everybody. If you're driving your car, you can raise your pinky because we're going to good old, cheerful, sunny England, Martin Hanford. For more overwrought <laughs> accents. <laughs> more. This is, is going to be a lot of accents, this one. For, oh for God, a picture book, it's going to be kind of well, awkward. It'll be great. Hanford was born in London on September 27th, 1956. And I'm so excited to say that he is alive and well today at the ripe old age of 65. Awesome. Still with us. Doing Wait, great. he's only 65? Such a young little spring chicken. Wow, Look at him go. he was a young guy. I don't, know, right? I don't know why I pictured him being older. That's great. So great. Uh, but he actually got started into drawing these huge, large crowds with detailed characters at the age of four. I'm really into it. Wow. And he was uh, inspired by movies like Errol Flynn's Adventures of Robin Hood and the Alamo. Anything that showed a big, complex battle where they were sort of, maybe you would check in with a hero every once in a while, moving their way through the battlefield. But he just loved big jam-packed, crammed battles he thought were really interesting. Yeah. And this also comes back in Waldo in a little bit. He also loved the Golden History of the World book. So sort of traveling around the (laughs) world a little bit. So he studied art at the University for Creative Arts, formerly Kent Institute for Art and Design, in Maidstone for three years. And what did he do on the side? He was in a punk rock band. Look... For the ben last few loves episodes, his punk rock references. I love it's like the punk third rock. One. Oh my gosh! Great, and I, you know, the last couple were my interpretations punk rock, but this artist of Where's Waldo was legit in a punk rock band. This is literally <laughs> punk rock. <laughs> but this sort of breaks my heart. When he gets out of school, he becomes an insurance clerk at the Guardian Royal Exchange and just did drawing on the side, illustration. Sadly, you got to pay them bills, right? Yeah, right. Kind of a bummer, but. Did you see what gig did help him pay the bills a lot? I did not. Have you ever heard of the song, I think I'm turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, I really think so. I'm familiar with that somewhat outdated and offensive song, sure. <laughs> sure, well, it was by The Vapors uh, off their 1981 album, Magnets, and he did the cover art for it. So he did mm-hmm. his sort of trademark, uh, it's an eye and a big crowded scene and sort of swirling and making this eye. So he's doing this art on the side, but he's waiting to really be discovered. Now we fast forward to 1986, Walker Books, 
which is at the time headed by a former circus clown named David Lloyd. Love it. Uh, and I even got a treat for you. I know Lloyd's clown name. Okay, so this guy is heading up a children's literature company in mm-hmm. England, mid-80s. Yeah. What is his former clown name? Boingo Boingo. <laughs> what a great name. I love it. That's genius. Hold on. It's it's England. Reginald Pothelswaite. It's going to be very <laughs> formal. really good. It's Mr. Turkey Sandwich. Sure. As you do. Okay. As you do. Wow, turkey sandwich. That's a unique clown's name, that's for sure. So <laughs> so David Bennett of that company said they were looking for something kind of new as a follow-up to the Busy Places series with dense crowds. Something sort of in in the line of French illustrator Philippe Dupasquois uh, mm-hmm. style. And um, they remembered that album cover from The Vapors. Yeah. So this is actually kind of fun. Did you see all like the controversy around who came up with Waldo? I did, yeah. There seemed to be a lot of speculation as to who exactly put all this together because the idea was like, well, we can do these crowd scenes, but what's the hook? Like, okay, you had this really busy, interesting area, but what's going to draw people in to want to look at it in great detail? And somehow somebody came up with the idea, what if there's a character that you're looking for and we give them a little bit of the story? But apparently, to this day, there is a big dispute as to who had that aha moment. Right. And it sounds like it came out of a brainstorm. They were trying to get something ready for the Bologna Book Festival. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just a brainstorm session. And it's hard to pinpoint really who came out with that. But uh, they pitched it back uh, to Martin, and he was game for it. And so yeah. turn something around real fast. How fast? The 24 hours, I think. Within a day, That's he insane. created a two-page spread. And we'll That's find impressive. out a little bit that he does not keep up that pace. It gets a lot longer after that first well, one. Well, and there's several reasons, but yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And people were obsessed with it. They were super into it, and so they launched it. But here's the thing. Let's get into where the name came from. I want to talk yeah. about Waldo because most of the world does not know him as Waldo. We know him as Waldo because that's yep. what they called him in America. Canada knows him as Waldo. Canada knows him as Waldo. Hey, up north. How's it going? Shout out to the Tuke Wares up north. Sup, Canada? No, but he started as Where's Wally. Where's Wally? where this all began. Yep. And did you see some of the origin around the name of Wally? Where that comes from? Yeah, so apparently it was kind of a playfully derisive word for somebody who's kind of a train spotter, I think is what they were talking about. Like it's kind of somebody who's a little bit daft or uh, idiotic or kind of, what's the right word? Well, even Martin himself called it a little bit nerdy, a little idiotic, a little aloof, a little silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because originally Hanford said he, he wanted Wally to be lost in all these scenes, just kind of bumbling around, not really sure where he was going. That was the original idea. But again, every good story has a good character growth arc. And Wally will do it. Uh, so if that's Wally, where did Waldo come from? And unfortunately, it was just kind of random. When Wally came across the pond, it reminded John Keller at Little Brown of Wallace Simpson, a woman King Edward VIII married. So he threw Waldo into the mix, came from Wallace. And the idea was like Wally wasn't a familiar name here like it was in England. So it just they felt like they needed a different name. Yeah, which throws me off because, like, a little bit before this, Wally Beaver. True, but like, right around Wal- this time. But Waldo's an even less familiar name right. than Wally. That's what's kind of funny about it. But, right. oh, I mean, it worked, but it's just kind of a, it's an interesting uh, motivation to change it because yeah. he has many names the world over. Exactly. Do you want to give us a little sampling? So, again, Wally and Waldo are what are the most popular, but what are some other names around the globe? So, a few others. In Norway, he's Willie. 
Mm-hmm. In Denmark, he's Holger. In Estonia, he's Voli. Mm. In German, he's Walter. Mm-hmm. In Italian, he's Ubaldo. In Vietnamese, he's Van Long. And in France, Charlie. There's more. There's a lot more. Oh, yeah. But those are just a few. I saw Gael in Serbia. It was kind of cool. Gael, like the character from Street Fighter That's what II? I thought. It's G-I-L-E. Uh, but oh, I, when I saw that, I was like, man. oh, God, that would be awesome. Can you imagine playing Where's Waldo and you look for a little Street Fighter Guy out in there? That would be amazing. No, you find him. You just go, Sonic, boom. That's what you do. <laughs> That's what you do. That's oh, what you do. Man. And uh, Hethi in Hindi and Sri Lanka, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. So Martin cranked out the first one 24 hours, but it's going to slow down a lot. So let's talk about the production. How does Where's Wally the book get made? Yeah. Uh, so the clothing is just born out of necessity, not a love or obsession for striped shirts. Just a stripy top was eye-catching. Jeans were ordinary. Mm-hmm. And just the extras sort of reinforced his appearance. So Martin hand draws every single one of these spreads from left to right. And this was amazing to me. He said there's no science or logic to where he puts Waldo in. He just sort of like does it. Wherever he yeah. feels Waldo would fit in. Sure. It's pretty amazing, right? I guess it makes sense from an artistic perspective. You're just drawing and you're like, you just get a sense. Like any, I think creator can understand that where you're just like, okay, it's going to go in this direction now. This is the choice I'm going to make. And it just feels right. So oh, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one from the outside might expect, she's like, okay, Wally's going to, like, I'm going to draw Wally first and then put everything around him. Yeah. Right. Whereas he's kind of like, nope, this is where Wally goes. Left or right. Okay. Here it is. So I love that. The artist, though, made it super random. I'm jumping a little contemporary culture, and then we'll come back. But this computer science graduate from Michigan State, Randy Olson, created a genetic algorithm to find the optimal search path to find Waldo. Yeah. So he, ma- he maps out where's Waldo is in every single book, and then sort of gives you a line map of where your eyes should go to find it. So I love that the artist was like, it's totally random. And this guy is like, no, it's not. Here's how you find him. Well, okay, yes. But... This reminds me a little bit of when we talked about Battleship. And there's basically those guides who are like, if you want to be in Battleship, here's what you do. And it just basically gives you, you know, it's kind of playing to the mentality of how people think. And I think similarly, it was random in his head. He's like, here's where I'm going to put it. But there is a method, whether he's aware of it or not, to his actions. So you can map that out, especially when you have so many things. I guess that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, it's random in his head, but science and data will tell us otherwise. (laughs) Not so, not so. Not so. So he said, you know, the first one was 24 hours. How long? Did you see how long it takes him to turn around um, a spread during this time for the first book? Around eight weeks. Per spread, hand drawn. Which makes sense. What doesn't make sense is the fever pitch of 24 hours. That's insane. I don't know how that is. Mind-blowing. I mean, it's definitely understandable why they get longer as the scenes get more complex. But these early ones, ah, I'm still in awe. 24 hours. Wow. Absolutely incredible. So we talked about a maniac mansion that they got moved out to Skywalker Ranch, and that environment Mm. heavily influenced them. So Martin surrounds himself with his favorite books, comics, toy soldiers. His working hours were 2 p.m. to 6 a.m. Wow. And we finally get the first book published on September 21st. 1987 after two years of work to get the book out so now let's talk about when you open a where's waldo book you have a big crowded scene one of the most famous ones the most popular spread that ever happened was a pirate spread so it's a big crazy swashbuckling pirate fight that's happening and there's literally hundreds of characters and every character looks different there's all these tiny little stories and there's animals and cannonballs and sea monsters going around and somewhere in this crowd at the same scale is waldo And up in the top left will be a little postcard that Waldo is writing to you, 
the reader talking about this adventure and, and where he is in the world. Because Waldo is globetrotting and sort yeah. of writing home about his adventures. And he travels with – and I never knew this. I never knew this. So you're like, oh, the game is done. When I find Waldo, I can turn the page. And I'll do that all the times for the book and I'm done and I don't have to go do this Waldo book ever again. Right. Nay. Nay, listener. If that's what you did back in the 80s, I got bad news. You got to go find that Waldo book. You got to dust it off and start back over because there's more to do. Waldo travels with a dozen items. And in each scene, he drops one on accident. And you can go back and look for each one of those items. Master Christopher, can you give us the rundown of the 12 items? Do you know them? I only know like a couple of them. Ooh, what do you know off the top of your head? What do you got? Well, they call it a walking stick. It's a cane. It's not a walking stick. At least (laughs) maybe, unless it's a Britishism, which it could very well be. In the States, a walking stick is like a long staff. It's a straight kind of pole. Sometimes it's gnarly. It's like a found object. But that's a walking stick. This is a cane. It's got the little candy cane shape. I was going to ask you, what is the difference between cane and walking stick? Like a cane needs a head, right? Or like a curved head of some kind, a top? Something like that. A walking stick, you usually don't grip at the top. You kind of grip it you know, some way down and mm-hmm. you're walking with it. It's almost like a trekking pole in a way. Okay, I get it. You know, I by get a it. modern standard. But yeah, so I mean, that's just my opinion. Does he have, I'm going to just guess a couple things. Does he have binoculars? Uh, he does? Oh, that's fun. Let's see if you can guess them all. So he does have binoculars. Let's binoculars. say you're Waldo and you're going on a globetrotting adventure. What are the 12 things you need to bring with you? Does he have like a little cook pot or stove? He's got something close. He's got a kettle. Kettle, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what else. I don't want to guess too much. No, that Just was go great. for it. The other nine are a mallet, a cup, a backpack, a sleeping bag, a camera, a snorkel, a belt, a bag, and shovel. Oof. All right. When he loses his belt, Waldo, my goodness, sir. Who's he burying along the way? A shovel? Goodness. A shovel? Right. You got to watch That's out. Dark. You got to dig it's those cables. You know, you know leave, leave no trace. That is true. Uh, so the second book, 1988, Where's Wally Now? And the third book, 1989, The Fantastic Journey. He's also later on joined by other characters. So again, if you thought it was all about just finding Waldo, guess what? There's another reason to go back. You got to go back and look for the other people in the spread. Yep. Wilma, Wenda, Odla, Woof, Wizard Whitebeard, and the Wally Watchers, which are his Mm -hmm. fan club. As the series goes on, now here's the last little interesting thing I have from history. They actually keep making it more challenging because Waldo keeps shrinking. As the series goes on, making him harder to find. In the first book, he averaged 0.153 square inches. And then fourth and seventh books, he gets all the way down to 0.026 square inches. And even more Mm. characters. So in the first book, 225 characters on a spread. And by the last book, 850. Wow, they really, uh, as we got older and our eyes got worse, they made it harder on us. That's not cool. Almost four times as many people. No wonder it started taking him so long to do those. That's a exactly. lot of detail. A lot of detail. insane. Anything else from Where's Waldo's history? No, I think you hit all the highlights that I had. Maybe uh, talk a little bit about ours and our listeners' experiences in chemistry class. Yeah, we'll have to go see if we can see him amongst the beakers and flasks boiling in the background of uh, the chemistry room. All those boiling kettle pots. Oh, perfect. See, there you go. Bonus point. See you there. This is the class I like to call We Love Waldo. Oh, nice. Sorry, I'm going to have a nickname for every class period in this episode. 
Well, we made it here to chemistry class. I don't. It's very busy in here. Hmm. He might be in here somewhere. I don't know. There we'll are eight hundred and fifty other people in this classroom. <laughs> it is going to get hurt. Wow, this is beyond fire code. I am most certain. So I guess I want to start off as you usually do with chemistry, which is a great way. Do you have memories of Where's Waldo growing up? I do. Yeah, I definitely remember looking through these puzzles, probably with friends. Might have been at school. Might have been at mm. home. Don't quite know, but I remember enjoying them. I can't say I was an addict, but I definitely found the allure of their intricate detail. The idea that there was so much going on, so many little hidden gems and pieces to find out and funny little gags or scenes or whatever. I was certainly drawn into all of that. How about you? Oh my God, yeah. I think, you know, there's two places that Waldo shut up for me in my, my youth. Any sort of like doctor's or dentist's office there oh, were yeah? two things. There was that, like, for really little kids, there was that, like, thing that you move the wooden blocks around on the little metal rails that would clank, make yep. little trains on. And where's Waldo books? Oh, don't forget Highlights Magazine. There's oh, always yes, the thank highlights. You. Thank you. Highlights. Yeah, yeah. Trying to find the missing things <laughs> and the what's missing from this picture. Wow. We should look into highlights sometime. That's a good idea. That's what you call an absorbing errand, right? As a kid, you're yes. terrified of the dentist. So if you have something that's very intense to take your mind off of what you're about to <laughs> endure, oh, yeah. that's kind of nice. That's a good point. <laughs> an absorbing errand. I'm going to remember that. And so there is that sort of like, I have this that sort of mixed vibe with Where's Waldo books, where like I do have this memory of like being engrossed in them, but also like this impending doom. <laughs> It's a little bit of uh, conditioning, right? Where, right, right. Yeah, a little bit terrifying. Was it operant conditioning, I think? But anyway, yeah. And you know me as a completionist. I'm sure there must have been so much pressure of like getting called back like, uh, Ben, and like not having found him yet in the spread that I was on. Like, no, I can't go without Oh, you're looking him. for him and all you hear in the distance is <laughs> like that drill. <laughs> like, no. That's so funny. Like the, every time I hear a high pitched whir, I do need to wa- look for Where's Waldo. That it's like a thing in my head. You start searching for something. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, this is not opera. This is classical conditioning. This is Sorry. classical conditioning. I had to dig back into my psychology background. This is like Pavlov. This is classical conditioning. Yeah, I feel like a pain in my molar every time I look for Waldo. Like, it's very ah! strange. <laughs> um, no, so ben, why are you grabbing your tooth and, scr- <laughs> and shrieking? Oh, nothing, nothing. Because I found Waldo. So that was one place. And the other was any book fair that came to school. This is like Scholastic, right? The Scholastic Yes, the Scholastic Book Fair is right. And, um, you know, Where's Waldo is is physically a large book Mm. as opposed to like your little novels. And they're all hardback, right? Right, right. Scholastic Book Fairs, you would see those two huge titles that would be there. Where's Waldo and Eyewitness books mm. those giant books you would see and uh, i loved them so I said, that's where i had the most memory of waldo at least as a child i never dressed up as waldo i don't think i had any waldo art on my mm. walls um but that's where i always encountered the uh, the misfit train spotter wandering the world but thankfully since mm. classmate holly pushed <laughs> us so hard that's right uh, we have many other memories to share do you want to share some of the class of 80s highs memories of where's waldo I do. So classmate Aaron tells us, I love the books as a child. I have a Waldo Halloween costume that I wore on Halloween when I worked in the schools. Now my daughter, who is two, is excellent at spotting Waldo in the books. She has learned from Aaron, the master. That's so great. (laughs) Uh, I found my long lost twin here with just hidden gem. 
I remember sitting at the dentist's office searching through a picture for what seemed to be an attorney just looking for that red and white ski cap. I hear you. Yeah. Feels like an eternity when uh, horror and pain is waiting right around the corner. I get it. It's terrifying. I have to say gem is J-I-M, hidden gem. That was, that's, that's good. I, love I liked it. it. That's great. That was creative. That was really good. Classmate Nowhere Nathan says, nice. I remember trying to find Waldo when I was seven and one of my older brothers kept claiming it was a fraud and he wasn't actually in the book. Oh, that's devious. But it has that ring of truth, like the urban legend, right? Like, oh, there's that actor who died in a motorcycle accident. You're like, no. And they're like, nope, they're alive. Oh, back in the day when you couldn't just run to the internet. Yeah, exactly. Friend of the show and previous co-host on Slashers, Mikey, said, I had the Where's Waldo in Hollywood, and that was awesome. That is no doubt to me. Mikey, obviously, if you listen to our Slashers episode in October, huge movie fan. And the Hollywood book is is going through different movie sets all across Hollywood looking for Waldo. And I remember that one, too. That was an awesome, awesome addition. And Waldo Faldo says... I friggin' killed my friends at competitive Waldoing. Undefeated between that and the Magic Eye books, I was the stuff seeingest kid at my middle school. Stuff seeingest kid. I love it. So good. There's sort of a couple questions I have for you here. The, the first one I want to start off is just sort of like what you think about the book. What do you think about this art style? You, you sort of, you've, you've dipped several toes in. I'd say you've got nine toes in the pool. I'm ready for you to cannonball in. Like, what do you think about this art style and the sort of game of Where's Waldo? I loved it. I mean, the detail, the intricate nature of it, the big bright colors, the cool scenes. It felt like you got to go on the adventure with Waldo, right? Or Wally. Yeah. Like the beach and mountaintops. You were just in these like magical places that aren't real. You were at a shopping mall, like just all these cool locales. The sense of adventure and, of course, the desire that we all, I think, have to solve puzzles and mysteries. Like, all of this stuff was really cool. It felt adventurous. Even if you're sitting in your living room, you felt you're, like, with Wally. And then, like I said, just all of the little details. I was such a sucker for it and still am. Like, people who can do that kind of elaborate, just in the art style of horror vacui, where everything everything on the page is just covered. It's cool. I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's so much of it that impresses me from a creative standpoint. There are what? What was it by the end? 850 characters on a page? Eight hundred Well, objects, but still. Objects. That is a lot. But nothing repeats. Like when you look over, they're all yeah. different characters. And I just don't have that um, breadth in my own mind of creativity to be like, Here's a setting, and here's everyone. If you just walked down the street, you probably wouldn't see 850 people in a couple of blocks. And Martin could just think this up, and they're all, they look different, they're wearing different clothing, they're doing different things, and they're interacting with each other. And it's all hand-drawn, too. Like, that's the thing, like, if he has 20, 30 people in a scene all wearing that candy cane striped shirt, it's not like he just took one and print and copy, right? Yeah. Like you could do in Photoshop or Illustrator or something like that. He hand drew all of those. No, it's amazing. And and there's oh. sort of like a Rube Goldberg storytelling mechanism, <laughs> which impresses me too. We're like, mm. two characters might do something and that means they're affecting something else that affects a couple more characters that affect a group mm. of characters that something falls. Like across all this, there's this story that Martin weaves. Yeah. It's not just like a lineup of 800 people in eight rows by 100. It is amazing how he like tells a story on this page while you're looking for Waldo. It's really cool. Absolutely. 
Now, admittedly, I mean, you know, in, in today's world, with the world that we're living in right now, a crowd this size does give me a lot of anxiety. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> there's not social distancing, especially no in distancing. those later books. Uh, only like in the snorkel scene are there some masks. You know, it makes me a little nervous. I'm a little uncomfortable. No, but in all seriousness, like looking through them today, there's almost like a Zen or a meditation to it. You hmm. know, like when you do art, when you actually are painting or you're composing or you're doing sculpture, that you just can sort of like tune out from everything else around you and you're just focused on this task. There is something a little calming to like looking for Waldo. It's kind of fun. It's cool. Right. And especially if you've struggled for a while, the victory you feel at the end for finding Waldo. Yeah, but the... Oh, there's so many false positives where you're like, there he is. No, no. Nope. Oh, like, and you think you nope. got it. And it's just like, it's somebody else with a hat and a shirt, but there's no glasses. So Curse you, Waldo. Like, oh, man. That's like those ones where it's the Waldo watchers, the fans. You know, they all kind of dress like him. And it's so oh, hard yeah. to find the actual Waldo. Well, That's we right. did ask the class of 80s high, what is the most difficult location to f- try and find Waldo? Yeah. And these are all based off real scenarios that you can find in the books. So the mall, the beach, theme park, space station, a Waldo convention, and a ski resort. And there's a very firm answer, in my opinion, to this question. Yeah. I think I there's, mean, a very, there's a very clear answer. I know what I would have said, but the class yeah. is split, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Waldo convention would have blown my mind. Right? If everyone's dressed like Waldo, to find the actual Waldo, forget about it. Do you know about the puzzle of all Waldos? This sounds like something the Sphinx assigns you in Egypt, like, Welcome! To now I present to you the puzzle of all Waldos to unlock the pyramid. You should look this up as I'm talking about it. The Land of Waldos. This is a tableau of spread, whatever you want to call it, occupied by hundreds of... Oh, forget this. Oh, I recognize this piece. This is insane. So this location was the final scene in the Great Waldo Search. And the story is, as Waldo's quest to discover the truth about himself leads to a world where he is just one Waldo among many. Very existential. But my goodness, I think the only way you find him is there is a single Waldo without shoes. And you are told that Waldo lost his shoes. So you have to go through... A sea of Waldos to find the one that's barefoot. Martin. That is a mind bender. I opened that photo when I read about this. I pulled up the picture of the puzzle and my eyes just kind of blurred. If it was a 3D puzzle, I would have seen the 3D object right away. Because my eyes crossed and my mind kind of shut off. And I said, I can't even. To use a criticism, Martin, are you mental? <laughs> are um, you absolutely mental? No, listener, you can you can picture this. There's a giant sort of peeking through their fingers and a dragon. Actually, could I read the postcard that's on Please. here that just describes yes, the scenario? Do. The land of Waldos. Then Waldo found the 12th scroll and saw the truth about himself, that he was just one Waldo among many. He saw, too, that Waldos often lose things, for he himself had lost one shoe. And as he looked for his shoe, he discovered that Wizard Whitebeard was not his only fellow traveler. There were now 11 others, one from every place he had been to, who had joined him one by one along the way. So now, O oh loyal followers of Waldo, find the real Waldo and help him find his missing shoe. And there, in the land of Waldos, may Waldo live happily ever after. My goodness. So that's what we would have said was the hardest thing to do. Yes. But the class of Eight's High, a little split. It was a tie between theme park yeah. and the beach. Hmm. 40% each. 
The beach, uh, that's a pretty common one too. You've probably, you can picture the beach scene from Waldo. That's a popular thing. But also there's those old timey one piece bathing suits that are like yeah, that same so candy stripe. Like, ah, right, oh, stay right. here. We're going to the beach. Ring a dang dang, kid. Oh my God. Uh, but somebody agreed with us, the Waldo convention. We did have one vote yeah, for that's the true, Waldo that's convention. True. So somebody knows. Look, there's how no hard wrong answers, be. but that's I'm true. just saying go find that land of Waldos and you tell us. Yeah, you there's tell no us. wrong answers, but there are more right answers. I would <laughs> say. Uh, <laughs> so Martin got into this when he was four, right? He started like drawing these massive crowds of people inspired by Robin Hood and the Alamo and that kind of thing. Were you ever a cipher drawer as a child? Did you like drawing big crowds or puzzles or scenes? I remember, I'm going to say it was roughly middle school. Yeah. And I remember my friend Corey and I would sit at like a table and we'd just put together all these different sheets of paper and they would be overhead scenes of a city, roads and buildings and cars and Sometimes they would be normal and then we'd put like these big car crashes and they would be like flipped over. And so you'd see the muffler and the tailpipe and just all of this really intricate detail. I remember doing that. That was drawing. And then the other thing is my friend Nathan and I played with a lot of Legos. Oh, yeah. We both had a huge set of our own. And when we'd go like stay over for the weekend, we'd bring our sets over and we set up this town on the like living room, I'm sorry, on the dining room table. Ah, yeah. We each built a house for our family. We had like a gas station and a store, blah, 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 whatever. And I remember one time we put everything out on the table and made this massive scene of chaos, like characters (laughs) doing crazy stuff. There's a bike crash and someone's flipping over and we would like prop things up like they were mid whatever. And then we put like cotton balls out like something was on fire and smoking and we just we made this just huge scene of chaos those are the two things i can think of where we kind of just went all out of control with just this massive scene of just so much stuff going on oh that's awesome those are fun memories did you have anything like that uh no (laughs) i mean you know it was a little later it was 90s i remember uh my friend peter and i when we had sleepovers would smoosh all of our jurassic park collection together oh yeah and sort of and you know make a a diorama of toys of things that's a great word diorama that's the word i was looking for sort of a diorama but like drawing or art of this complex level you know i will take that back a little bit no i've got a little thing okay in sixth grade i did a painting a watercolor of the moon and the moon had all sorts of things going on it. And this is again, so sixth grade. So we're out of the eighties, but there was a lot of pop culture in it. So there was like the, the starship enterprise was flying by. Sure. I had ET standing on the moon, raising a glowing finger. Nice. Um, there was one of the little alien spacecraft fighters from independence day. Oh yeah. So there were, there were a bunch of like little scenes and stories happening all over the moon. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I recall this is it actually got uh, a little, uh, I'll just dust a little off my shoulder here. It did get selected to hang in the atrium of my elementary school Ooh. up until about five years ago when it was renovated and it was mailed to me from uh, the lobby of my elementary school. It survived all those years. That's impressive. It was framed and everything. It was very schmancy. Wow. So I guess that's the most like, that's the closest I've ever done to doing art like this, but it is it is fun to try and like pick a setting and then what are all the stories I can cram into this setting right? Um, and make it still uh, visible. Absolutely. No, it's so much fun. It's a blast. So we did mention, you know, especially in the land of Waldo's, Waldo is hard to find, but mm. Waldo is not the only pop culture figure 
that is challenging to locate. Certainly not. And so we did do a little hidden character throwdown. The last of the century, some might call it a grab bag. A grab bag. If you remember Celebrity Deathmatch, it's that, but about hide and go seek. This is the hide and go seek Celebrity Deathmatch. Indeed. We asked the class of 80s high. Who are our worldly hiders? Yeah. Who are they then? Exactly. And so we gave them, of course, Waldo, our current topic and reigning champion. Carmen Sandiego. Slippery. Harry Potter, once equipped... With an invisibility cloak. Yeah. Bilbo Baggins wearing the one ring to rule them all. Mm. The Predator with cloak mode turned on. Oh, that Predator, man. And Space Ghost coast to coast. <laughs> uh, which, if the sp- if Space Ghost is a little older than you remember, because the original cartoon was not like the hilarious talk show that I loved that Cartoon Network did, Space Ghost did have a button on his belt where he could, like, turn invisible. Oh, you know what you should have put on there is Wonder Woman's ship oh, like her ship right her plane her plane yeah which how did she ever find that i don't know but anyway <laughs> she's, like, beep, boop, beep, boop. she's like walking around the parking lot like with her beep, with her car yeah she's hitting her panic where button. did i park this beep, thing beep, beep. There it oh is. my god so we did have a three-way tie between waldo space ghost and bilbo baggins but sure. who was the, who was the reigning champ I mean, Predator in cloak mode, which I have to say, I don't know if it's true, but it's terrifying, terrifying. to think that Predator's out there because I think if, you've, if we've all seen the movie, we know tough customer right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, not, 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 a not the nicest guy. Not the nicest guy. <laughs> what, the world, what, what would your answer be? Who do you think is hardest to find? Oh, the hardest to find? I would honestly have to go with Bilbo Baggins wearing the ring unless you're like a ring wraith. Because, you know, you can, like, sense them. True. Otherwise, he's, he's gone. Just psh, totally gone. I don't know. Carmen Sandiego was under heavy, heavy chase. And I don't think she ever got caught. All of her, like, dirtbag oh, goons true. got caught. All of her dirtbag <laughs> Even though she's not invisible. I would just say as visibility goes, Carmen's pretty slippery. Good oh, yeah, for Yeah, that's her. true. The Warrant. Uh, God, I love that <laughs> show. So good. Speaking of the Predator, when I was researching uh, Where's Waldo, I did see a good bit of fan art where Boba Fett is kicking the door down and it's Carmen Sandiego and Waldo like at a bar and they're like, oh no. Nice. I thought that, I thought that was pretty good. Oh, brilliant. And we did have one more question for the class of 80s High, which this was a fun one. You had a great idea for this. So this is good. We asked, where's Waldo? Wrong answers only. <laughs> <laughs> and so... We have a lot of jokesters. We have hilarious listeners on the class of 80s. Hi, coming to us. Uh, what, did people, what were the wrong answers to where's Waldo? Uh, so out of the gate, Mikey just says the word stamp. I mean, off air, we just talked for about 10 minutes trying to figure out what that meant. There's no wrong answer, but stamp. Maybe the joke is because a stamp is so small, it's probably just four characters on it. So he'd be really easy to find. Oh, that Maybe be really that's funny, the joke. Actually. That would be really good. That would be really I'm guessing. good. Okay. Nowhere Nathan... Speaking of our snarky, you know, there's always a class clown. Always, you know, there's always so, a kid always in the back, always up to no good, no trouble. We think we know who this nowhere it's Nathan is because this person says, up your butt and around the corner, JK. Very mm-hmm. 80s. That's good. That's mm-hmm. on point. That's on point. Yeah. Look, I can't read this whole thing because we try and keep this a high and tight podcast. <laughs> uh, but Waldo Faldo did tune in and basically write a memoir that is a conspiracy theory about Waldo having been vanished and there's it a goes body deep, double. It goes deep. And there's, there's, yeah, there's like hair transplants and teeth transplants. It's really in-depth. It's impressive. It's some great creative writing. We, this is a family-friendly show. We can't read everything out loud. But it was really creative. It was very good. 
or someone was just hopped up on drugs because they got their wisdom teeth out. Like that's where it kind of right. comes back. It comes back to the dentist. So I think right. really someone just had a uh, fever dream a from fever the drugs they were on. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, just Hidden Gem says, Waldo has given up hiding and is now working the crowd at the amusement park, trying to sell them timeshare opportunities, working that commission life. <laughs> I like that he, he's still at a fun place. He's not like in a just soul-sucking right. office or anywhere. He's at least, he at least gets to do it at an amusement park. But he's selling timeshares. That's awesome. That's uh, yeah, awesome. It's that hustle, man. It's that hustle. Oh. And then Aaron says, the artist was such a jerk throwing in all the red and white stripes. Come on, now. If Waldo were real, I would be somewhere on a cruise sipping margaritas and listening to Jimmy Buffett. He deserves mm. some time off his feet. That he does. You know what? He's done a lot of travel. He does. And, and here's the thing. Like, he's traveling everywhere. Arguably, that's relaxation. But the, the guy's moving around a lot. He deserves to just kind of sit still. Yeah, get a kick back a little bit. Yeah. That's everything we've heard from the class of 80s high. But have we heard everything we need to hear from Mr. Chris? So there was another series of books, and I actually remembered some of these. I probably would have missed this in my research, Ben, but I <gasps> remembered coming across these books that as a kid, I thought, wow, that's a knockoff of Where's Waldo? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. What is it? Such books as Find Freddy, Look for Lisa, Hunt for Hector, Search for Sam. There's a series of books called Where Are They by Tony Tallarico. Uh, once again, I think we've uncovered a literary form of knockbusters. This sounds ridiculous. So they're very much in that vein, but there's this whole spread of these books. And it, this is not about Tony Tallarico, but you should definitely go look into this guy because he's done illustrations for a lot of stuff going back to like the 60s, even with creating the first comic book star that's African-American. Oh. So that character was Lobo. He also Lobo. worked on Luke. Luke Cage, and I think he was even working uh, with some of the Black Panther and Falcon. So he's had a lot of really cool work in comics. But later in life, and he sadly died at the age of 88 uh, last year, I believe, but he made these Where Are They series of books. Again, you could call it a knockbuster, you could call it a ripoff, but he did a bunch of them and also some series of books called Hidden Pictures and then the big book of Search and Find. So I remember coming across Hunt for Hector, Find Freddy, and Look for Lisa somewhere in my life. I remember seeing those. I may have actually even browsed through the books. Maybe it was at the school library. I don't know. Maybe a friend had it. You know, like when your grandma, you tell her you want something and she gets <laughs> not the actual thing. You know, like, here's Crustaceous Park for you, Benjamin. I got you Donkey King. I know how much you wanted Donkey King for your birthday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, Grandma, thank you. you but was, no. No, I love yeah, it. So maybe you got one of these Tony Tallarico books. Nevertheless, I wanted to bring those up because I did remember them. And it's a little bit of like, what did Waldo lead to? But... This was 80s, so I wanted to mention it in chemistry before we get to contemporary culture. You thought the search was for Waldo, but it's for the search of the actual real Where's Waldo book is what is the challenge. We learned, as you did, from Unsolved Mysteries, there's a lot of missing children out there. And basically, this was just priming us. This is priming us for when we got just old enough to start watching Unsolved Mysteries. Sorry, I forgot to say that. So at the back of every single Where's Waldo book is a little (laughs) FBI disclaimer that says if you have information... (laughs) Wait, you sure it's not Robert Stack? It's It's not Robert Robert Stack Stack, there? If you have any information about the whereabouts of Waldo. Waldo. (laughs) 
Please call our toll-free number now. <laughs> With the that. dark turd. The dark With, turd. No, that is perfect. I love that. Leave that in. That's staying in the episode. Well, Ben, I have a really important question. Yeah. Where's lunch? Where is lunch? I, we need a kettle and probably a, a cane to walk there. <laughs> a cane or a candy or a cane to stick? eat. I'm starving. Give me a candy so cane to hungry. eat. Let's go see if we can find him in the cafeteria. Oh, fantastic. Where's Waldo? Whoa! Greetings! Heard about my new SpaghettiOs pasta shapes? You're in SpaghettiOs? New Where's Waldo SpaghettiOs! With hats, walking sticks, shirts, woof, even me! All with that great SpaghettiOs taste! Alright, chow time! You've gotta find them first! Got it! Way to go! Mm, see you around! I've gotta have SpaghettiOs! And Waldo! So once again, what a packed cafeteria. Like, I had to wait in line for too many kids. Too many kids. <laughs> Overcrowding of, of public schools, man. Way. My goodness. I am starving. Move. I need my cardboard pizza. Darn it. <laughs> so this is fascinating. So this is great. Um, we're going to try and get through contemporary culture in a respectable amount of time. But again, yeah. where's Waldo? You know, started in the mid-80s and just inspired so much going forward. It did. Real quick, I've subtitled this classroom. What else, Waldo? What else, Waldo? What else, Waldo? It's good. Thank you. It's good. Sorry. Please continue. Uh, so, uh, the order of the books of Where's Waldo, because we're going to go into the 90s. We've got Where's Wally? Where's Wally now? The fantastic journey in Hollywood, as classmate Mikey said. The Wonder Book, The Great Picture Hunt, The Incredible Paper Chase, The Search for Lost Things, Destination Everywhere, Santa Spectacular, The Spectacular Spotlight Search, Exciting Expeditions, and Santa Spotlight Search. Those are all the main books in the core. Where's Waldo? Pantheon. For your next pub trivia, you will be stacked with knowledge. You are stacked. You are Robert. What was the seventh book of the Waldo series? I remember from 80s High. Thank you, Ben. You are Robert stacked with knowledge on Where's Waldo. It's layers, Uh, folks. Layers. And it's amazing. Wally has now shown up in 30 languages, 38 countries, and sold Mm -hmm. well over 75 million books. That's amazing. Now, I do want to hand this mic over to you because it seems like you were familiar with this. I did tee up a little foreshadowing that Wally slash Waldo was going to go through a bit of a character arc. Yeah. By the end of the series when Martin was sort of finishing up, how did he perceive Waldo at the end of all of his journeys? You know, at first he was this train spotter, this kind of gadabout, didn't know what he was doing, a bit absent-minded, a little bit doofy. But... What Hanford decided was like, you know, I'm kind of seeing this character in a new way. And as a result, starts to draw him a little differently. And I think write the little notes differently where rather than that kind of character, he becomes more mature. He becomes a little cooler. Mm -hmm. He sees him as this open-minded worldly traveler who's knowledgeable and just has this kind of like thirst for adventure rather than this kind of absent-minded professor or Mr. Magoo who's sort of just wandering aimlessly and finds himself in all of these uh, dioramas, as Ben (laughs) said earlier. So I'm wondering, you know, when I read that, Look, I don't mean to imprint on someone else, but I'm wondering if that's just a portrayal of the writer himself. I wonder if that's the artist coming out, where when he started mm-hmm. Waldo, you know, he went to school for art, but he was like a clerk at a bank, illustrating on the side, and, and maybe there was, you know, he was young, and maybe there's a little bit of like, what am I doing with my life? Like, maybe I'm wandering through, I, I did all these years at university, I was in a cool punk rock band. 
And now I'm thinking <laughs> at a bank, you know, maybe Hanford felt a little lost. And then after creating this Waldo empire, he's like, you know what? This is awesome. I'm proud of what I did. This is cool. Like, I wonder if that's the artist coming out through Waldo. I think that's an interesting assessment. Yeah. There could very well be something to it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classmate Mikey, I've got a little tidbit for you. Uh, in an interview not too long ago, Hanford admitted what was his very favorite spread of all time. And it was in 1993's Where's Waldo in Hollywood? Ah. So there's this visual. Uh, most of the characters are decked out in glitzy costumes on a Hollywood movie soundstage. Uh, that could have come from a musical in the 40s by Esther Williams. Specifically, it's the scene from that book called A Tremendous Song and Dance. Hmm. And it's just, you know, you, like we said, he's always inspired by these big Hollywood swashbuckler epics and adventures. And um, so that was the favorite one that he ever drew. I thought was kind of neat. Now, just like we do spinning with records, like his first illustration, big piece of artwork that he got paid for. We've got a lot of spin offs from the book. Do you have anything else from the book series before we start talking spinoffs? Do we want to talk a little bit about it getting banned? Oh, and you're getting to talk the, a little bit about you're that. You're getting to the saucy controversy, info right the hot goss. We got to titillate the audience. We got to get them all like, oh, what's going on here? Woohoo! Okay, how could innocent Waldo be banned? We'll get into it. So tell us about it. So, according to the American Library Association's challenged and banned books website. Martin Hanford's Where's Waldo was one of the top 100 most banned books between 1990 and 2000. Most banned! Which is wacky. It's a picture book looking for a guy in a red and white striped shirt. Blacklisted. So here's kind of why. So in 1993, got in a little hot water. There was a New York school who removed their copy from the library because there's... An image of a woman on a beach who is topless. It's a topless sunbather. And they also claim there are other adult hidden pictures. What? Did you see the picture? Did you look at the picture of her? I did. Yeah. So she's topless, but she's laying on her stomach. So there's like a little side breast, but that's about it. Look, I'm not super prudish. I don't think it should have been banned. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. It's It's absolutely ridiculous. Am I surprised? <sighs> Sadly not. <laughs> so not just banned in the New York public school system, it was also banned in a lot of other libraries and even stores across the United States, most notably the retail chain BJ's. So oh, wow, yeah. It definitely had a pretty big spread. It wasn't just like this one public school was like, no, it kind of spread yeah. around there. Uh, again, United States, we got some Puritan core to us. It, I'm not surprised, but I'm just like, okay, this is a little much. Well, and for something so mild, it's a cartoon side chest of a woman who's laying down. But again, you know, this goes back to Waldo originates in England, Wally. And we know largely throughout Europe, culture is much more comfortable with children being familiar and mature and comfortable around anatomy and physiology and even sexuality. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But in America, we substitute that with just gore and violence. We, we think that is what children should be seeing <laughs> and not the side breast of an adult woman. Yeah, or swear words, but everything else is fair game. Everything yeah, else so is eventually, fair game. Eventually in later uh, versions, the woman was redrawn. Uh, she was covered up with like a bikini top and right. – Finally, justice was served. <laughs> right. But now she has an AK-47 and she's flipping off the reader. And that's, that's yeah, what kind of she's got a everybody. bazooka, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, goodness. Uh, I'm so yeah. glad. That's, so, that's, that's I, I, had to get to the, I had to get to the delicious little hot goss because, you know, 
Even Waldo is not spared controversy. Lucasfilm animation and Martin just such, so daring. <laughs> My God. Uh, so we had the books, but uh, there was in the late 90s, there was a spinoff. There was a magazine uh, that was sort of geographical educational magazines. Uh, each issue, Wally was traveling around the country or a region and sort of teaching interesting facts. And kind of like Hanford originally, I mean, cranked out a lot, 52 issues in just a year January wow. 97 to 98, coming a lot. But that's when Wally's History of the World began, which really focused more on history than geography. So there's the magazine hmm. spinoff. You did so great on this with Maniac Mansion. Do you want to tell us about the TV series? Sure. So in 1991, there was an animated cartoon television series that came out. A mere 13 episodes were released. Mm-hmm. I believe under the title Where's Wally? Correct. I don't think there was a Waldo version. Correct. With one of your good friends, Townsend Coleman, as the voice of Wally. Remind us who yes. Mr. Coleman is. Coleman, one of my favorite shows, but from the 90s, he voices the tick. Spoon! Yeah. But also the original Michelangelo on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, and this cartoon was produced by Deke for CBS. Just like the real Ghostbusters. Yep. I was like, oh, Beautiful. I remember Deke. I love it. And, uh... Oh, it did say in the North America it was marketed under the Waldo name. So I guess there was a oh, there you go. Okay, a Waldo version. But I I did that little fast forward, watch a little bit, jump ahead of a couple episodes just to get a flavor for it. And you know the whole idea is we're going to give Waldo a bit of a purpose. He can travel through time and space with his magic walking Ooh. stick. So now it has these magical powers, and of course. The character that Ben mentioned very quickly, Oddlaw, which is Waldo backwards, yeah, uh, thank you. was basically his Wario. It was his little nemesis in opposite, mostly opposite colors. He Instead of <laughs> red and white, he's in black and yellow. And he's got like a little um, snide, snively, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, twisty sort of like little. like a Waluigi version of Actually, of he is Waldo. a bit more like Waluigi because he's yeah. got the little stash too. Yeah. You're right. And he's kind of scheming to disrupt Waldo. You have Whitebeard, who is voiced by Ray's brother from Everybody Loves Raymond. What? Really? That's awesome. He's got a great voice. That's perfect. He does. But when you think of this old wizard, you're like, fool of a toque. You know? <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. They're like, hey, you Raymond. don't think of like, hey, Raymond. Hey, hey Raymond. <laughs> and the best part is he kind of does these things where he says something and goes like, hey. And I was like, he sounded a little bit like Rodney Dangerfield, like, Hey, Waldo, hey, we're going to go down the street. Hey, I've been looking for you all day. Hey. Like, <laughs> the voice is great. It doesn't quite match this old white bearded no. character. But That's whatever. Ridiculous. Whatever. Ridiculous. And in each episode, at one point, a character exclaims, Where's Wally? And then you're presented with a still image. Oh. Much like those old school pages in a book. And there's a little bit of countdown timer and you're supposed to find him in the picture and then once it's up it kind of zooms into where wally is oh thank god so yeah i watched uh, like i said i kind of breezed through a few of the episodes you know it's fine it's a cartoon well and it's narrated by another one of your favorite voice actors jim cummings narrates it probably best known for winnie the pooh and tigger but he also darkwing duck uh, I was yeah. like, wait, am I a Winnie the Pooh fan? I didn't I realize. I mean, come no, on, you're, Darkwing a, Duck. you're a Poonatic. Everybody knows that. Uh, listen, Super everybody, the when poo. there's trouble, you call, call DW. DW. Duck, duck. Um, Let's get dangerous. DreamWorks Animation did reboot it July 25th, 2019, and yeah. it's on Peacock, and I didn't watch it because no one has Peacock. Uh, so I just... <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sorry to hate on... sick burn. <laughs> I'm sorry to hate on Peacock. Sick burn on the but, Peacock. Uh, I'm not going to get Peacock just to watch the rebooted Where's Waldo. 
It's just not I did happen. watch the trailer for it on YouTube. Oh, what do you think? Did it seem I actually, engaging? I thought the art style was really cool. Oh. They kind of aged the characters down. So like, yeah. they're kind of like tweens, I would say. They're like preteens. And Oddlaw is replaced by Odlulu, so it's a oh, female character. Yeah. She's a misunderstood preteen female anti-wanderer. Anti-wanderer. <laughs> anti yeah, I did see a still from it. And actually, the art style reminds me of Kim Possible a little bit. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, I thought was kind of good. And, and I think the idea of these shows of like traveling time and space and exploring, it kind of reminds me of Dora the Explorer. Oh. I guess thematically rather than like the art styles. But, like, this feels like a reboot of that original show. It has that same kind of essence. But, again, the characters are styled differently. They're aged down. Like I said, the animation looked pretty cool. I would say as reboots go, it seemed pretty, like, I did not cringe through any of the one and a half minute trailer, which is reassuring because some kids' shows are just very cringy. Oh, yeah. You're just like, what am I looking at? As a 40-something, I was like, I could see someone wanting to watch this, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like Dora is a lot gentler on the audience. Like, where she's like, can you see the map? And it's a picture with, like, just a map and a tree. And you're like, I think I'm going to find the tree. She's not like, can you find Waldo? And there's 800 other Waldos on the screen. This is once you've graduated, Dora, and you've gone to the next level (laughs) trying to find our good friend Wallace. Um, Good friend Wallace. So... I could really get into the details, but they're really just not that interesting. So I'm just going to say, basically at one time or another, every studio in Hollywood has, has had the rights to the Where's Waldo movie. Yeah. It is jumped live action. Around, live, live action, action not animated. Not, it has jumped around to everyone, and mm-hmm. it's made it to certain lengths of you know maybe getting a script in the works, maybe getting a name signed, and then died, sat on a shelf for a few years, sold to somebody else. So there is no Where's Waldo movie. He does have a cameo, though. In the 1994 comedy, The Naked Gun, 33 and a Third, The Final Insult, starring Leslie Nielsen and Priscilla Presley. For those who don't know, Elvis Presley's daughter. Mm -hmm. There's like a scene at the end at the Academy Awards and where's Waldo's in the audience, which I thought was was pretty good. Did you have anything else on the movie? Is there any update on that? Is there a movie happening? 2016 is the last thing I saw, but dead in the water. They are stuck searching for the script for Where's Waldo. With Seth Rogen attached to it, of all people. Oh, boy. I know. That's, so it's going to become like a, a lovable stoner comedy. I don't quite know. But anyway. Well, it goes back to his sort of train spotter, aloof wandering I guess around so, the world, yeah. I guess. Yeah. It'd be kind of good. I guess we'll find out. I don't know. Who knows what 2023 has in store? Oh, my God. Um, I've got three more spinoffs on my list. What do you want to tackle next? <sighs> I mean, we got to talk about those video games. Oh, let's get into it. Let's do it. You need this natural medium. It's still visual. So clearly a video game is the best place to put Waldo, right, Ben? No, you would think so. <laughs> no, 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 no. Tell us about your adventures, Ben. So here's the thing. There were nine video games made of Where's Waldo between 1991 and 2015. And basically they were made on every platform you can think of, honestly. Yeah. Here's what blew my mind, though. The very first one on NES... Uh, was made by Bethesda Studios, whom, listener, if you're a gamer, might know for mega AAA titles like the Fallout series, the Elder Scrolls series like Skyrim, and the Doom reboots that are fantastic. These guys made the first Where's Waldo in 1991. Look, you gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. Oh my god. The starting project's not always the best, uh, right, Ben? 
Uh, 100%. Any personal experience? No. Uh, yeah, we call that second mover advantage uh, in game uh, theory. Uh, goodness. So, holy cow, this game is hot, steamy garbage that even the garbage pail kids would throw out of the pail. It's bad. It's really bad. And mm. you know what? It wasn't just me. It is highly regarded. It's sort of like the uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial for Nintendo. It's regarded as one of the worst games for the system ever made. The plot is like you're trying to get Waldo to the moon. But to do that, you've got to find other stuff that he needs to make that happen in all these different scenes around the world. The scenes are very dated and do not hold up by today's contemporary culture standards. Mm. It is mind-numbingly slow. Um, you know, you're not sort of like, let's say you play Sonic the Hedgehog. You beat a level, it celebrates you for two seconds, you jump to the next level. You have to watch Waldo physically walk between the worlds that can take like 60 seconds. Just oh, walking. It's hard. It's mind-numbing. There's a level that's all completely black. It's just a black screen, and you just got to click around until you see Waldo, until you find it, until you get it right. Oh, it's not <laughs> the Angry Gamer, because he's got a great YouTube channel, but there's oh, yes. a great YouTube recap of like a pretty angry gamer trying to play it, and it's spot on. It's a horrible game. It sounded terrible. Basically, this is the game you want to bury in the desert, <laughs> much like E.T. Right. Right, exactly. Where's Waldo? He's underground. He's in a dump. Yeah, where this game belongs. In mid-90s, there was a comic strip, uh, Where's Wally, which was a Sunday newspaper sort of comic puzzle uh, distributed by King Features Syndicate. So that was around for a little bit, but um, I didn't really read into the history of why it didn't last much longer. But I feel like, you know, Where's Waldo? It needs to be in print in large format, and I, I feel yeah. like a comic strip, that would just be hard to keep the story going with Waldo. I, I don't see how that could survive very long. The last spinoff I have, you mentioned off-mic at the start of the show. What's another unlikely place that Waldo showed up on? Uh, I don't know. On a box of cereal? So weird. <laughs> What's going Life on? Life cereal, to be specific. Crazy talk. Yeah, so Waldo graces the cover of Life cereal for... I don't, I didn't see how long, but apparently there's a puzzle on the back. There were trading cards inside, and I guess even at one time you could get like a Where's Waldo watch inside... What? Or maybe you had to cut off the UPC codes oh, and like mail send, them send in, in with the little of thing, and then you waited two months and you got it. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, you always think of like athletes, you know, like Michael Jordan's on a box of Wheaties right, or, right. or like Mary Lou Retton. But no, oh, no yeah. life, life was like, we need a mascot here too. It's Waldo. I love there's some Waldo-ception because this box of cereal actually shows up in an episode of The Simpsons. Oh. Uh, hello, Guter. Hello, Fodder. Homer sitting in the kitchen staring at this box of Quaker Life cereal trying to find Waldo. And Waldo walks by the kitchen window outside and Homer just screams like, Waldo, where are you? Trying to find him <laughs> on the box. Oh, uh, the Simpsons. Um, so great. The Inception. So catching up to a little more modern day. It makes me sad to say 2007 is modern day. That's 15 years ago, which breaks my heart oh, to say. Nuts. But Hanford goes ahead and sells the rights to Where's Wally to the Entertainment Rights Group, uh, which is at the time the world's biggest independent owner of children's brands. Did you see what he sold it for? Well, this is in pounds, so right. I don't know the conversion rate, but it's in the millions. 2.5 million pounds. That's a handsome reward Which I think for is all like, that hard work. I think it's like six billion U.S. dollars. I forget the conversion, but it's a lot. It's very <laughs> the valuable. pound is very strong, very strong <laughs> currency. Very, it's a ton, really. It's Sometimes ton. it's usually twice as much, so that could be somewhere yeah. on the order of five million. Legit, not shabby. Legit. Good for him, and I think he still retained the rights to do more books if he so chose. Sure. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. But hey, on five mil, 
you know what? Kick back if you want to. You earned it, buddy. Right. Him and Waldo both need to relax. Just just chill out for a little bit. Um, so I talked about the Michigan State student who gave you the optimal path to look for Waldo. Indeed. In 2009, some researchers made some discoveries about how the brain searches for objects using the Where's Wally books as a reference. They just tracked eye movement as participants in a study looked for Waldo in the book, or mm-hmm. Wally, since this was an English study. What the researchers discovered is that the eyes do a number of these tiny little eye jerks called micro saccades. Mm-hmm. And they, they twitch a lot when they find Waldo. There's sort of an excitement in the eyes. Uh, Dr. Martinez Conde explained the significance, saying, This link can help with future advances such as creating neural prosthetics for patients with brain damage or machines that can see as well as humans. Whereas Waldo is writing the future of science fiction. That's amazing. To science fact. I mean, what's really crazy about the eye, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but our eyes are always moving. Even if you think you're looking straight ahead and you're still, your eyes are making all of those little micro adjustments like you mentioned. But like you said, they kind of wiggle a little bit. They're like, yay, yeah, like, <laughs> vibrate or something when you find the thing you've been looking for. But it just blows my mind that like researching the Where's Wally book could lead to the software that is going to be part of eye prosthetics for people with blindness or eye damage. That's amazing. From Wally's glasses to prosthetics of the future That's and amazing. implants. It's a noble thing he's done. It's very good. Now, we talked about the land of Waldo was the hardest place to find Waldo. Did you see where that tried to happen in real life? Well, are you talking about Canadian artist Melanie Coles? Ooh, uh, no, but do that one. Mention that one. That's good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was an artist in Canada, as mentioned, in 2008, she crafted a viral game called Where on Earth is Waldo? After painting a 55-foot rendition of the character on a rooftop in Vancouver. This was on Google Earth, if I remember correctly, which does not even still exist. Is Google Earth still a thing? Or is uh, it just now Google Maps? Like, is it still the thing? I feel ashamed no. to say that I've got it on my desktop. I love Google Earth. It's great. Okay, so maybe it's real. I, I don't know. Google I haven't used it in like, I don't know, a decade and a half. But still. <laughs> oh, no. She left like a template so people could create their own versions of it and put it in different locations. And you could go find Wally all around the globe. That's pretty fun. I actually like that It's a lot. amazing. I remember when like Google Earth came out, like a year later, people were posting just like the crazy weird things they were finding all over Google Earth. I mean, I love I love that stuff. There's even that one where it's like if you dug a hole straight through Earth, like you could pick a point on Earth oh, and it would tell you the exact opposite you point. You can do that? Yeah. Sorry, podcast over. I have to go open Google Earth. Spoiler, it's in the ocean. Oh, womp womp. <laughs> well, I don't know. Actually, okay. I'm gonna, statistically that's speaking. central Illinois. That was central Illinois. Oh, that's true. Maybe here in Seattle area, maybe we'll land on some solid ground. Can you imagine if you nailed one tiny island in the middle of the ocean? Like, wow, what are the odds? That would be so cool. That would be pretty awesome. No, but the other thing I want to talk about, so a little over a decade ago, 2011, in Dublin, there was mm. the world record set for the most people gathered together dressed as Waldo. 3,872 people got in the same spot. During the world that we live in right now, I can't encourage our listeners to go try and participate in a world record breaking for Where's Waldo right now on the same spot. Just give it a little bit. I think, you know, just, just let that one cool down for a little bit before you participate. You know what I thought was pretty interesting, though? In 2016, Corridor does this kind of cool thing on YouTube where it's this sort of 360 video in different crowded spots all over the country And somebody at some point dressed as Waldo walks through and you try and like spot them in the crowd. And it's like, you know, it's a boardwalk, it's a mall. It was actually kind of fun. That's kind of neat. Hmm. The last little thing I stumbled on on the internet is there is a subreddit called Himmelbooks. 
So we're going back all the way to that like German term you talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, people do their own kind of artwork like this, like these really complex, busy, and um, you know, it's 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 different styles. It's not just like the Where's Waldo style, but they are really beautiful and interesting and diverse. And people kind of post their own art. People talk about them. They help each other out. It's a cool community. It's really neat. That's really awesome. You know, the one other thing I found too is that there are some app-based games, like hidden object puzzle games oh, out there. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of them get their inspiration from Where's Waldo, in some ways being that origin of like, you're looking for something in the noise. As far as I could tell, there used to be a Where's Waldo app. I think they're not out there anymore. I tried to search the Apple market, could not find it. But there is a game called Where's Walter, which looks very, very similar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's another one that's a really cool, like, drawing it's like black and white and it's almost like this draw design oh. like I, I've tried to think of an art style or like a kid's book that it was reminiscent of I couldn't think of it but it's called Hidden Folks Hidden Folks okay Hidden Folks there's Where's the Meerkat Search and <clears throat> Find those were some of them and I was like you know what an app actually kind of works pretty well yeah whereas a video game sort of fails like having an app where you can kind of zoom in and move around and tap and all that kind of stuff and find not only Waldo, but the different objects. Like, I think it kind of works. Yeah, well, and I kind of see that too, because again, like my history with Waldo was uh, waiting, right? I was at a doctor's office and you're waiting yeah. for things to happen. And a lot of times when you're gaming on your phone, if you do play games on your phone, typically you're waiting. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a good app for that. I could see that. Outside of spinoffs, in contemporary culture, the only other thing that Where's Waldo made me think of is, did you ever get into I Spy books? No, I did not. Oh, man. In the 90s, I had almost the entire collection of the I Spy books. And it is, again, beautiful art that takes forever. It's it's live photography. If you haven't seen it, the artist sets up these scenes. It's hundreds of little pieces of toys or, or things from nature to make a scene. And then, you know, he'll name, I don't know, 20 things you have to find in the scene. It is this crammed, busy scene, but it really is mm. a hunt and search, and your eyes are scanning and finding all the things, and they're sort of written in a rhymed poetry. Um, so it's not really a character, but just the idea of like having this awesome, visually engaging book. What did you call it in the beginning? The distraction at the doctor's office? An immersive, a diversive? I can't remember. It. You had a great term. Oh, an absorbing errand. An absorbing errand is exactly what they are, and they're beautiful. I think they're great for any age. They're whimsical. Uh, so I think they they have a little bit of life from the Where's Waldo fandom that came out of ladies. Yeah. That's as recent as I could get on contemporary culture. I do want to say to the class of 80s high and to our listeners, if you've got a picture of you as Waldo for Halloween or you've got your collection of Where's Waldo books that you've still got or you just curled up in a blanket on a cold winter day reading your Where's Waldo book, send us a pic. Email us at 80shighpodcast at gmail.com or tag us on Instagram and we'll throw that up on Instagram because we want to share those memories of of you doing Waldo in your life. would be great. I may have heard from one of our classmates. There's a mother-daughter duo (gasps) ready for photos. I believe there's already a costume. I'm just saying... Classmate Aaron, Aaron and daughter, send it on over. Might be able to make it happen. Oh, that would be awesome. Well, with that, I don't think it'll take us eight weeks to get through it, but let's go from the left to the right side of the spread and see how Waldo holds up today in 2022 in what I'm going to call math class, but we'll find out what you call it in just a minute. All right. My vision's blurry. My eyes are strained. I'm tired, Ben. But I'm here for math class, which I have subtitled... Well then, Waldo. Ooh, well then. Were they all alliteration, I think? What else, I tried Waldo? to start them all with a W, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. We love Waldo, well then, uh, you know. Uh, so, 
Master Christopher, what do you think of Waldo today? What do I think? I think it's amazing that what started off as a rather one-note idea Mm -hmm. has evolved into, I dare say, a global sensation. Ooh. Reimagined over the decades to appeal to new generations and people of all ages. Mm -hmm. Indeed, Waldo can travel through time and space. I was enthralled by the stunning images, the exciting locations. You felt like you were there. The funny little scenes and character interactions. Like you said, Ben, it was sort of a domino effect where this scene affected this next character and this thing. And you could sort of follow the trail and the story. How cool. All those silly characters. It felt like an unending journey of my eyes and mind. Such wonder of this static world. And it really made it feel alive and in motion, even though it wasn't. Yeah. And while no doubt the extra characters and storyline, I'm sure gave it more depth and reach, I think the concept at its purest survives quite well on its own. Because really the beauty is in the details on the page and from the imagination of its creator, which then transfers to you as the viewer in your own imagination. Super cool. Very good. So yes, I think Where's Waldo holds up quite well. But Ben, as for the puzzle... I really think it's too easy because Waldo and his friends can be found where they've always been right here. Stop it. In our hearts. Don't do it. You did it. Oh, you (laughs) did it. Oh my God. Uh, That was beautiful. Well said. A wonderful pick. Thank you. Before I get into my love of Waldo, I will say I have almost no interest in any of the (laughs) spinoffs. Haters going to hate, man. Haters going to hate. You know, it's probably just because of the time and age. Like, I sure. only knew the book, and so I only care about the book. And Like, I'm glad there's been so many cool spinoffs that other people right. have enjoyed and helped introduce them to the world of Waldo. But I don't really need the spinoffs. I just need the books. Not for you. The books are good. The books are great. Yeah, yeah. So we get down to the books. You know, I have sort of three points to think about the books. One, it's just sort of this universal look of Waldo. Like... If anybody wears a red and white striped anything clothing, they're going to get a Waldo joke. If not, a candy cane joke. If you're outside of December and you're wearing red and white, someone's going to with stripes, (laughs) you're going to get a Waldo joke. If you you add circular glasses, now it's a Waldo costume. Yeah. It's such like a, a look that permeates culture of the red and white horizontal stripes. And if you put glasses on, boom, you're a Waldo. And still today, you'll see Waldo costumes. You know, you don't see a lot of Commando or Predator or Maverick from Top Gun costumes, but you see Waldo all the time. It just keeps on going. The second thing is just this huge pop culture impact. Again, this this like permeation of culture. Like you mentioned, you made this comment in history class. Besides Ralph Waldo Emerson, there's no other Waldo. There's no other famous Waldo. If, if you ever hear the word Waldo, you think of immediately, where's Waldo? True. And of course, like just a part of culture. If anyone is like looking for something they can't find, you know, if they're trying to find a friend in a crowd, you can't find your keys, there will mm. be a comment that you feel like you're doing Where's Waldo. That's how ingrained it is in our culture. Yeah. Lastly, it's it's fun. Although the art is complex, the game is simple. It's yeah. accessible for anybody of any age, besides to a few prudish schools and bookstores <laughs> around the country. It's generally inoffensive. It's tremendously creative, and the artwork is so impressive. I sincerely think Waldo is going to outlive us all. It will stand the test of time. It will be around. I mean, just like we were talking the originators who were in 1450. 
I think it's around for a long time to come. And uh, good luck to you, Waldo, on your many adventures to come in the centuries uh, down the road. Never stop adventuring, Waldo. Yeah, there it is. Mm. Uh, Well, just like I and you and our listeners have searched this podcast for the history and the chemistry and the contemporary culture of Waldo, we are also searching for what will be our very first topic of the month of May. Indeed. Can you tell us what that might be? I would love to. And I have to say, Ben, as I looked back at our catalog of episodes, Mm. a thought did occur to me. We haven't done a show about a sitcom. Uh, what? No. I know. What? And sitcoms were a staple of 80s television as we gathered on the couch together to peer into the zany worlds of such families as the Seavers, Jeffersons, Arnolds, Cosbys, Keatons, Connors, Tanners, Winslows, oh my. Oh my, oh my. Like the neighbors on our street, we got to know families different from our own who loved each other all the same. Oh. And difference was a big teacher in the 80s. We learned many lessons from strangers who were not like us, mm-hmm. from different parts of the globe, even from different worlds. You're driving me nuts because every keyword you're saying, I'm like, oh, it's going to be the, wait, no, it's not that. Every, oh, it's this, because you're, you're using words from different sitcoms in the 80s and it's driving me bonkers. What is it? Oh my God, what is it? Nanu, nanu. <gasps> no, you wouldn't. But we're not going you to mork about no. on our next episode, nor was that a crafty reference to Hillman College because- How dare you? I'm thinking of a visitor who touched down onto Earth and into our hearts. What? (gasps) Let's revisit the Tanners. You wouldn't? No, 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 not those Tanners. Not the San Franciscan Tanners. I'm talking about the Tanners from San Fernando Valley, where in 1986, (laughs) one UFO crashed into a garage. I'm so excited. And from it sprung our snarky, fuzzy friend, Gordon Shumway, whose only mission was to return to Melmac. That is, until he found a new home and a new family. Oh, fantastic. I'm so, so excited. So next time on 80s High. No way. Tune in your shortwave radio. Oh, God. Dust off your copy of Spacecraft Repair for Dummies. <laughs> and for everything holy, hide your cats. Hide your cats, please. Oh, God. Because we're welcoming into our hallways the 80s most beloved alien life form. Oh, my God. Ow! Chris, what a pick. I am so excited. Yes. Uh. This goes back. You and I have mentioned on so many episodes that in the 80s, it was, there was so much about hiding your alien or monster from the world. Yep. And this is a whole sitcom and a wildly successful sitcom all about it. Mm-hmm. Great pick. I am so excited to go into ALF. There's so much to talk about on this show, including a lot of interesting behind the scenes. So not only is the show amazing, but you might learn a lot of new fun stuff about what happened when the cameras weren't rolling. I'm excited. Ben's excited. I'm sure you are too. So I guess you're going to have to tune in next time to find out more about ALF on 80s High. Thanks, everyone, for listening to 80s High Podcast by Ben and Chris. Our theme song is by Greg Reed at gregreedmusic.com with vocals by Chad Bumford. Show artwork is by Alex Goddard at alexgoddarddesign.com. If you like the show, please support us by passing a note to a friend in your next class. Also, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to help spread the rumor. Stay radical. Stay radical.